So who is Masquerade Ministries and Thriving Family, your thriving family? Basically, it doesn't matter what shape or size your family's in, your family matters. And your thriving family is about taking your family to where it is now, to where you dream it to be, and, and doing it all in honoring God. Every family matters to God. And sometimes I think that we, uh, we give ourselves an, an idea of what a family should be like in order for it to be valid as a family. But really, I don't feel that that's, that's God's, God's idea. Every family matters to God. I remember I gave a Christmas present one time to a, to a, a boy uh, for his, him and his single mother. They had grown up together their whole life uh, as just a mom, mother and, and child. And, and it was a frame, picture frame. And it had uh, a fam family written on it. And he looked at it. And he said, what am I supposed to do with this? And I said, well, it's for you and your mother. And he said, well, I'd never, ever thought of us as a family. I, that really hurt. Um, I, I hurt for him that he had lived up until 18 years old and never, ever saw that God saw him and his mom as a family. And so your thriving families is about stepping in and helping families with all the challenges that we have today and all of the hurt that's out there and, and helping them be successful. Homes, I, I just heard yesterday uh, in uh, the news, I just, just heard about yesterday's numbers, over 1,300 more cases of, of COVID and the uh, the chances that things are going to be changing tomorrow or in the next week are, are very high that we're going to be looking at more restrictions placed upon us. Restrictions that, that, that are aimed to help us with the symptoms of COVID. However, there's an impact socially and economically on our families that, that is in some ways at least as, as, as challenging uh, on us as the symptoms of COVID. And as missionaries in, in, uh, in central Alberta, we, we, we look at this as our mission field. And we, we have brothers and sisters out in the missionary fields that face danger every single day. And so we look at this as, as our, our time to be, to, to be out in, in, uh, in danger, not recklessly, but definitely we don't want to let uh, fear dominate ministry. And so today I wanted to talk about Homes hurting because homes have been hurting like like they've never been before. This month is Family Violence Prevention Month, and and in November and and though the numbers for family violence have never been like this, overwhelming uh, have the numbers been for places like women's shelters and the RCMP trying to help with the, with the with the, the problems that they're having. It's really almost been not even mentioned because of the struggles that the average family is going through. Homes are hurting with unemployment and business closures and, and, and sickness and poverty. There, there, there are hopelessness. There is, there is more problems that we're facing today than probably at least for generations, but even generations ago in times like the Great Depression, I wonder if they had the complexity that they have today. You see, the Bible teaches us that when a home hurts, when we're going through struggles, we're supposed to rejoice. It's in the book of James that I think about. He says, rejoice in all struggles. 
that this will build perseverance. When home is hurting, when there are hurts in our homes, that this is going to make things better. It's, it's, it's to strengthen us. But there's one, home, one hurt in our homes that God doesn't actually put in that list. James, James is very clear about that. And that's the hurt that we cause with our words. And that's the one I want to talk about today. I want to talk today about when home hurts because words hurt. Hurt, hurt words, words that hurt, never ever build. They always tear down. They never make people strong. They always destroy. And, and we all, all of the time, a lot of the time, we worry when we focus on our words blessing others, our words not hurting others. But I want to take it on a different direction. I really felt as I was preparing for that, that sermon, this sermon that I'm about to talk to you came, came clear to me. God didn't want me to really talk about, about my words hurting other people. He wanted to talk about where the real hurt comes from. And that's not when our words are hurting others, but the hurt that we cause with our words to ourselves. That's what I want to talk about today is, is what can pour out of us the, when our words, the words that we say about ourselves to ourselves, what kind of impact does that have on us? And then how can we carry then the gospel forward? When our words hurt us, we can't help but hurt other people. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So how do we choose life? How do we choose life over death with our tongue? Does it, does it go beyond just trying to watch what we say? Bite our tongue, count to ten. Or is there a better way? How can we make a difference when we make a commitment to creating better homes and better life for our families. We may not be able to have presents under the tree this year the way we have in the past. We may not be able to gather with one another like we have in the past, but the one gift that we all can give this Christmas, the one gift that we can ensure every child gets, is words that give life in the home. So let's take a few minutes and, and look at a few words that God has to say about our words and about the way that our, our words can help us in a situation or the way we can hold ourselves back. And let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we approach you with wonder and praise and we seek your guidance in this struggle that we face in life with our words. Father, this... Your wisdom we need so much, Father, for, for this intervention in our society that's hurting so much and it's spilling into our homes. We seek your truth and grace and assurance that we need only ask you and that, Father, that you would give us uh, with great confidence an answer. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, most of this, this is going to go down into the context of adults. Children, the words that are spoken to children are much different much different. And so I, I want to make sure that I say that. You'll probably hear it a couple of times. But when we speak to children, uh, children don't get a choice. 
children don't get a choice. Some of you might have grown up in homes like I did, where words were used in a very, very harsh way. Uh, and, so, and, so, and so as children, we don't get a choice. Words can be used to inflict on us, but as adults, we do get a choice. At 33, I made a choice. I made a choice to, to step outside of, of the norm of my family and the, and the things that they had said, and I started to listen to what God had to say. I made a, I made a choice that I was going to no longer follow in the generational path that my family had on both sides of my family, and that I was going to give the children that were living in my home this time a better life. There's three ways that I wanted to talk about how we talk to ourselves about ourselves, what I call the longest living conversation. No one will talk to you as much as you talk to you. Nobody will have the impact as an adult on your life than you have. There's three ways that I wanted to talk about today on how we can talk to ourselves that can impact us for the negative. And then I want to look at the hope that lies within that, that, that Christ can give us for when words hurt. So there's hope for when words hurt. Hope for when homes hurt. The first one is, is in the way that we can negatively self-talk is that we can give our excuses to protect ourselves from our pride. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. You see, we, if we are protecting ourselves from our pride, we're minimizing what we've done, we're denying it, we're making excuses, we're blaming, there's no possibility for us to grow. A, a gentleman who's written a couple of books, his name is John Maxwell, you might have heard of him, he has a little saying that I, I really adore. It says, sometimes you win, and sometimes you... Sometimes you learn. Sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. And, and, and I really like that because that's exactly what Isaiah 118 says. It says that no matter what our sins are, if we can come clean to God and come and sit down and, 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 and have him reason with us, that we can grow from our mistakes. Our failures actually become part of our successes. I remember meeting Anthony Calvillo, uh, a quarterback who won two great Grey Cups in a row. Uh, actually, this is Grey Cup Sunday. Now I that, that, <laughs> think about it. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big CFL fan, sorry. I, I, I'm silently grieving. But Anthony Calvillo said that he lost three Grey Cups in a row before he won the first two. He said most people, he says, they don't think of me, though, as a three-time Grey Cup loser. They think of me as the two-time Grey Cup winner. But he sees himself that all five Grey Cups led him to that, those two victories. He saw that the failures actually led him to the victories. And so, and I, and, I, and I believe that God sees it that way too. He's provided us a way. He's a God of second chances. Not a God of third chances. Not a God of fourth, but of second. Because each time we come to him and we humbly confess our sins, it's as if we've never sinned before. Our, our humility and accepting his grace brings us to a new place with a new beginning and a new fresh start. But it's only if we filter with our faith that we can sit down and learn from our mistakes. And that's to come with the second way that negative self-talk holds us back. 
and that's the shaming labels that we place upon ourselves. Our fallen world loves labels. They find labels to, to answer any problem that we have. They've got a diagnosis for it. You just have to Google and you will find the label that you can put on to fix whatever problem you have. But that's not the way that God sees it. Actually, the cross was a way to, to erase labels. You see, the world would tell us that we are the things that we do. But the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches us that we are what was done. It's not what we do, but it's what was done, the perfect work of the cross that transforms our lives. Now, the things that were said to us in our past by the fallen world, by our parents, maybe by, by colleagues or bullies at school, those words are cutting and they are cruel. But as adults, we get to decide if we are going to follow in uh, a lie that's wrapped in the skin of the truth or are we going to follow for the real deal, the truth. The truth of the gospel is, is that we are what has been done for us. And we are, we are, our identity is found in him. And it says that Christ died for us even on a cross. Even on a cross, it says, because the cross was a shameful place. There is no shame in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we define ourselves by the mistakes that we've made, it is impossible for us to, to live out this new life and this new identity and that our words would give life because we are giving ourselves death. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has died and behold, the new has come. That was a verse that changed me in a way that I cannot, I just cannot possibly describe because the things that, that I did to, to Tiffany that brought me into a place uh, of repentance with Jesus and, and then this ministry were the kind of things you, that, that, that there was a stigma on that you, it's just hard to fathom. I hurt Tiffany in ways that are supposed to give me give me stigmas, give me labels, give me titles. And I carried that on me. And I said it wasn't humanly possible to ever, to ever get rid of that, 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 that anger I had to myself. I said, God could forgive me, but I, I can never forgive me. But what I learned was that, that was the catch of the gospel. And I learned that from the writings of a man who himself had persecuted the church. And he writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it didn't say if anyone's in Christ, and then, and then a little asterisk and down in the footnotes, except Roy. It said, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, and behold, the new has come, or the old has died in the translation I have here. The new has come. And, and think about it. What, think about a new creation in those days. When, that, when Paul wrote that, there were no Walmarts. You know, it didn't say that he was going to wash the garment and make it like new. It was like new. There wasn't a lot of new in the ancient world. You couldn't go to Walmart and just grab something new. Those words were very, very powerful. To say that you were a new creation, you weren't recycled, you weren't sent to the dry cleaner, you weren't mended, you were new, brand new, hot off the shelf. That was hard for me. That was, that was a daily commitment for me to accept because it wasn't fair and it didn't make any sense. But if I wanted to follow him, 
I had to humble myself and I had to step forward. You know, uh, Pastor Stu uh, Krogman was uh, the, the pastor that first, uh, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, discovered Tiffany and I when he had to baptize me uh, uh, in the river because the, pers- the pastor that was supposed to baptize me, he, uh, he was uh, delayed in, in, uh, in Ontario. And I gave him my testimony as he asked. And uh, when he picked himself up off the floor, <laughs> he asked if, uh, if we'd give our testimony, essentially. And we, it was the first time Tiffany and I gave our first time that we talked about the struggles that we had in our marriage was in front of 2,000 people on our first wedding anniversary. And Pastor Stu used to talk to me all the time because even as God was using me to minister, I was still so angry at myself. I had so much self-anger. And Pastor Stu used to say something to me. He's retired now. So I, I carried this on for him in his, in his memory. He would say, Roy... Whenever you find yourself judging someone else, it's because you haven't accepted grace for something in your own life. Whenever you're pointing the finger at somebody else, it's because you haven't stopped for a second and and accepted grace for something that you have done to let yourself to be forgiven by God, to be humble. It's in that humility that we can get rid of the labels. And it's in that humility that we can give the gift of grace to others. It just pours right out of us. It's impossible for humbleness to ever bring out words that hurt. Because in the heart of humility, understands that you yourself have made mistakes. So why could you ever be hard on someone else? The third way that our negative self-talk affects us is that it limits us. Ephesians 2, verses 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the one that gets me the most is, as I look at right now, like with COVID and, 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 and suffering and, and in the world, why, do, you know, why does God let people suffer? Uh, all those kinds of questions about suffering and, and all the suffering that's going on right now behind a lot of closed doors in Alberta. In families that six months ago or a year, I guess a year now, but they would have never saw that there was suff- going to be suffering. They never would have anticipated it. Imagine what this world would look like if each and every one of us would just listen, believe, and take faithful steps to carry out Ephesians 2.10 in our own lives, that we truly believed that we were God's handiwork and that he had created us and saved us so that we could go out and live out a plan, a plan that would make this world a little closer to the kingdom of heaven. What would it look like if if every one of us in Christ would live that out, no matter where it took us, no matter what the consequences. It's, it's, a, it's a small vision that I have, but it, it, it's been driving Tiffany, myself, and now Sean Ford for the last 12 years. Is try to make this place better, just one Christian at a time. See, when we're hard on ourselves, we trade the truth for a lie. 
And I want to ask you, so, ask you now, how would God see it? If you're putting yourself down, if, and I hear this so often, I remember when I said it to somebody when I was in treatment for domestic violence intervention, and I said, I'm hard on myself, but of course I'm not hard on others. And Jim Freeman looked at me and he said, if you're hard on yourself, you're hard on others. And I said, not me. And he turned his head and moved on. I'll never forget. I felt so dismissed. He was so sure of it, he wouldn't even talk to me about it. When we are hard on ourselves, we are hard on others. So how does God see it? Well, this was the verse that was the game changer as I was preparing a sermon about us all talking nice to one another. Let's all be nicer to each other. Let's not hurt each other with our words. I took James 3.9. It came to me. It says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in the image or the likeness of God. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. And here's the question. Haven't each of you been made in God's likeness? So why does this verse not apply to you? The way I read it for the first time, with your own words, Roy, you praise your Lord and Father, and with that very same mouth, you put yourself down. You who were made in God's likeness. I don't think I'd ever looked at it like that before. That the words that I was saying about myself and how harsh I was on myself, and I'd put myself down before somebody else was going to do it. That's how it, one of the ways, the reasons why I did it. To beat them to the punch, if you will. But, but this idea that I never saw it, that I was actually... I was actually created in God's image. And so I was putting him down. No different than if I did it to somebody else. That it hurt God just as much for me to be harsh with myself, to not come in reason with him, but to make excuses and blame, or to shame myself and wear a label and say, my sin is special. The cross wasn't good enough for that, for that sin that I'm not going to live out my potential, that I'm just going to sell meat for the rest of my life and be a glorified small group leader because God didn't really intend for Tiffany and I and Sean to go out on our own and ask people if they would be part, partners with us as we stepped out and made sure that every single family could get help and it would be uncompromised help because they'd never have to go and say, I can't afford to get that help. That they'd never say it's cheaper to get a divorce than it is to get family help. Because, because Masquerade Ministries and your thriving family, all they'd ask for is whatever you could afford and the commitment, the commitment to give it the time it needs so that every family can thrive. Those were the three things that I was missing because I was limiting myself by putting myself down. When we, when we talk negatively about ourselves, to ourselves, 
And then we expect to go out and bless other people with our words, to bring life into the world and into our homes. It's like trying to give a clean glass of water from the sewer. You can try to filter it all you want, but it takes a lot of filtering, a lot of filtering to get a fresh glass of water out of the sewer. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be uh, able to test and approve what God's will is, good, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The world may tell you that you are what you do. The world may tell you that you're not good enough, that you, you need better skills and talents. The world may tell you that you're the sum of your mistakes. But it doesn't say to conform to the pattern of this world. It says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the power and the victory of Jesus Christ. A final thought on, on this is, how do I know that I'm not just walking around like, I don't know if you guys saw that movie, What About Bob? What about Bob? I love what about Bob? And he's doing these empty affirmations. Everything is good. Everything is fine. Everything is good. Everything is fine. And, and then he would try to leave the house and he'd turn around and go back out because he was just, nothing was good and nothing was fine. He was freaking out. He was trying to get to his psychologists. Everything is good. Everything is fine. And then he gets finally onto the elevator and the door's shut. And he's in this elevator with people. And you don't see, all you hear is, ah! I love that scene. Empty affirmations do nothing for us. And how do we know that we're not just saying, Jesus has forgiven me, but we haven't been transformed because we truly haven't accepted that forgiveness in our own hearts, in our own lives. How, how do we know, how do we know that our lives are being transformed and that the ones that we love are being given life from our words? Well, you can thank Pastor Dave for this one because as I was going over the notes, See, every Wednesday, Dave, uh, Dave blesses me with an hour or so. I think it's more like an hour and a half. And, it's, it, and Dave listens. He's a good listener, by the way. You have a pastor. We have a pastor who is a great listener. And so I will talk and he will listen. And I'll usually uh, talk myself through a, a lot of life's problems on Wednesday morning. And Dave gave, gave me a word to, to plant into this last verse. And it really uh, articulated the point. How do we know... That, that our words inside are doing the work that they need to do so that we don't have to, so that we don't have to bite our tongue and count to 10. And we can have assurance that our words are blessing others. And that comes with Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We've heard that, we've heard that, 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 uh, 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 that passage probably a million times. But what Dave said was, replace the word with uh, a fruit, with evidence, and then read it back. I believe that this says it to the T. The greatest report card is to talk to the ones that you love. Listen to them. Listen to God. And also, listen to your own heart. But that the evidence that the Spirit of God is working in your heart, that you're accepting His grace, and that you're being merciful and kind and forgiving to yourself 
is that you will have a spirit of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That you will be worked and transformed through this. Not in, in one moment uh, uh, that, the, that the Holy Spirit will come upon us and, we'll, and we're, 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 we're transformed, but that we'll see week after week, year after year, month after month, season after season, our heart is getting softer and softer and softer. But if our heart is hard, we can't expect that our words will be soft. We have to take a look at, we have to take a look at first, was the gospel of Jesus Christ, was that victory for us too? And our, is the way that we talk to ourselves actually showing that as evidence? Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are so blessed, Father, that we are able to gather here today as a body and worship you. Something that, Father, uh, you know, 12 months ago, Father, probably we, we didn't look at the same way in such a, uh, as such a blessing. And we pray for the families that are hurting in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our province, our nation, and, and Father, affected all over the world right now with this, these near unique circumstances that we're all corporately experiencing. Father, I pray for our leaders. I pray for our leaders that they would seek your wisdom, that this would be the crisis that would, would have them come back to you, Father, for your answers. Because, Father, the, the decisions that they're making today, they're not just going to affect our generation but they're going to affect our children's generation, our grandchildren's generation. Dare I say even our great-grandchildren's generation. And so, Father, I pray that they would turn to you, seek your wisdom in prayer, Father, and that they, that they, would, they would see that uh, uh, the answers are there, that, you, that, this, that this, Father, this crisis, that you can turn this into blessing if we just have the courage to follow where you lead. Lord, if this message was heavy on someone's heart today, because maybe perhaps there's someone in their home that's hard on them, I pray, Father, that we could pray for those, those, those that are hurt, that they could make the choice today, Father, not to believe the lies that perhaps are said to them, that they could choose not to, to repeat those lies to themselves, and that they could pray for that person, that, that, that person that hurts us with their words, actually would, Father, would, would accept your grace and mercy. If there's some, Father, that, that, that find that they themselves, Father, find that their words are harsh, they, then they identified that they're hard on themselves with their words. May, may in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, may they reject that. May there be no more shame, no more condemnation, Father, but they embrace life. That they, with their own words, Father, they take your words and embrace life. So much life, Father, that it'll pass through them like living water and pour into the lives of everybody around them. Everyone that they cherish and adore. Let us make today a new commitment, Father, this very moment to embrace your absolute acceptance, your love and your grace, and let that do a good work in our heart, Father, not for what we go out to do, but as we just accept that it's already been done. Father, may you bless us and keep us 
shine your face upon us and be gracious to us. And may you give us shalom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.